Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. scripture is broken out into three different readings, starting with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts, soul, mind, and strength. And these words which I command you shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them while you sit at home, when you drive together to soccer practice, and when you prepare for bed, and when you arise in the morning. The second reading is entitled, The Church is Much More Than a Building, taken from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Jesus was traveling near Caesarea Philippi when he asked his disciples, Whom do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, some say you are John the Baptist, others say you are Elijah, or Jeremiah, or some other prophet. Then Jesus looked at Peter and asked, what about you? Whom do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Right on, said Jesus, you are Peter, Petros, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church, Ecclesia. The third is entitled, The Fellowship of New Jesus Followers, taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Those first century New Jesus followers, about 3,000, who were recently baptized, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship with other Jesus disciples. They had meals together and prayer gatherings. Everyone was filled with awe at the many words and signs performed by the apostles. All the Jesus believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions in order to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were coming to faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So um, thank you, Alex. Uh, he and I had the uh, a unique opportunity of meeting each other virtually face-to-face -face on the phone as we went through the scriptures 
this past week. And uh, thank you for helping us to get into the text today. As we look at these texts and the sermon, is the church a building? I want you to put into your head presently, what is your understanding of a church? If someone said to you, what's the church? Man, you would say X. So put that definition in your head, because in our breakout group that will happen just as the sermon finishes, you will have a chance to give that definition and then how your definition of the church has changed. Ready, go. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this time. Thank you for the privilege of hearing your word and making its application to our lives today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, under the heading of what is the church, I want to start with the word relationships. As you and I listen to our friends, as we listen to commentary on the news, the theme is that we have been really shortchanged on relationships during the past 18 months during this COVID crisis. We've been locked down in our homes and we can't go out and connect. And relationships have not happened. I invite us to take relationships as the key word as we look at what is the church? And as the title says, the church, more than a building? Uh, yes. Church talks about relationships. Now in the scripture that Alex read this morning, the, the, the first one that really gets our attention is, is the one from, <clears throat> from Matthew's gospel, in which Jesus went to his disciples and you know, it's a it's sort of thing that we probably do a lot. You know, we're working with a team and they say, okay, uh, we need to stop and debrief a bit. And, uh, you know, tell me what's going on. huh? And so Jesus was, in fact, doing that. He said to the disciples, whom do people say that I am? Well, okay. How do I look out there? You know, he was saying. And the disciples say, well, you know, some of you, some say that you're John the Baptist, or others say that you're an important prophet, and others say that it what's going on. And then in that encounter, and, and we've all been in uh, task groups maybe where that's happened, where, oh, Kristen, what do you say? You know, where they mm, put you on the spot. And that's what Jesus did. He said to Peter, how about you, dude? Indeed, what do you say that I am? And Peter's response was, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in, in the paraphrased translation, Jesus then said, right on, Peter, you get it. 
Peter understood what Jesus was about. And then the key sentence that follows, Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Well, here's an important place for you to be real careful in your knowledge of New Testament Greek. Ready? So he says, you are Peter. And in New Testament Greek, first century Greek, the word Peter was Petros. I laugh at this. There's a lot of great humor in this. The word was Petros, and that means gravel. You're Peter, you're gravel. You're shifty, you blue around. You are Peter, he said, and upon this rock I will build my church. That's the second Greek word, and that word isn't Petros, it's Petra. And if you've been to the Middle East or you subscribe to National Geographic, <clears throat> you've seen the pictures of Petra, which is this ancient city where thousands of people lived. They built their homes into the rocks of Petra. Giant, immovable, long-lasting forever city. So there it is. <coughs> he said, you're Peter, you're gravel, okay, you change, you move, da da da. And upon this rock, and the rock he's referring to is the confession Peter made. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my church. So as we're, <laughs> as we're saying, the church, of course, is not a building, but it's relationships. And so the church then exists wherever there are people who say, as Peter did, Jesus, you are my rock, my salvation, my God. Wherever people do that, then that relationship exists and that defines the church. One minute for a drink. And so <clears throat> our definition of the church comes down to relationships. We can say based on that, that the church exists wherever <clears throat> there are people committed to Jesus and committed to one another. Two parts. It's not a solo thing, just Jesus and me. The church is my commitment to Jesus and my commitment to other people who are Jesus followers. <coughs> that, by the way, is an innocent cough. I did that. I did uh, go to the doctor and checked it and said, I'm a very, he said, I'm a very negative person. <laughs> I got it, okay. So 
So then the church, as we read through the New Testament, is, <clears throat> is spoken of in amazing terms. The book of Acts is the beginning of Jesus' followers. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, and then the whole book. And what we see are people coming to faith in Jesus for the first time and becoming committed to him and committed to one another. And Acts chapter 2, you see how they met together on a regular basis, just like we're doing now. And they shared meals and possessions. And they cared for the needy around them. They were the church in action. Now, the interesting thing about the New Testament version of all of this is that they had no buildings, <laughs> no church buildings. In fact, it wasn't until the third or fourth century that folks began to meet in a building. They were house churches. They met in one another's homes and, you know, maybe a home would hold 20 or 30 people. Okay, so they met there and another one would hold 15 people. Well, that one met there and a series of house churches. Well, we all know what happens when we walk into someone's home. We go into someone's home and have dinner there. There's an amazing sense of connectivity and relationship. And that's what the New Testament book of Acts is describing. All of these people coming together going, wow, hey, did you know I, I discovered Jesus? And the other, yeah, me too. And wow, isn't he great? And yeah, let's get together and learn more about him, huh? Yeah. You know, the whole vital ministry of small groups in the church, discipleship groups, Bible study groups, application groups. And I know a number of you are, are in those or you have been in them. Hey, that's where the action is. Because as we said in the beginning, the church is about relationships which we've been starving for. But the church is about relationships with Christ and then with others who are following Christ. That puts a whole new flavor and understanding of what the church is to be, much more than a building. Finally, as we conclude, the other, <laughs> the other interesting thing in the book of Acts, in chapter 14, it talks about Paul and Barnabas have, after they had done their, <clears throat> sort of completed their first missionary journey, then they went back to all of those little towns in Asia Minor, where people had come to faith in Christ, 
and they were checking in on how those house churches were doing. Here's the and that followed. <laughs> and they appointed elders to provide spiritual leadership in the churches. Here's another place where your great knowledge of Greek is helpful, right? For in the New Testament Greek <clears throat> edition, it says they appointed elders and the word for, hang on for this one, the word for elder is presbyteros. We get our name, our denominational name, Presbyterian, obviously from that. The Episcopalians also get their name, the Episcopos, and that has to do with bishops that provide encouragement, support for those elders in the local church. What happened was they appointed spiritual leaders in all of those different house churches. Paul and Barnabas were very wise, though they had come in and had shared the gospel. They knew they couldn't be the spiritual mentors and support and encouragements for all of those house churches. Duh, <laughs> do the math. And so they appointed presbyteros, elders. And as we are together moving into this sabbatical period, about to begin the, the third week on Monday, I want you to see the role of the elder in some new ways. For in our system, there are teaching elders and ruling elders. A pastor in our Presbyterian system is called a teaching elder. Those of you that serve on session are called ruling elders, spiritual mentors caring for the whole life of the church. Well, in the old school approach, the old school approach said, okay, all we have to do in our local church is that we have to hire a terrific pastor. Someone who can come in and do everything and we can sit in the pew and watch the show and go, hey, isn't that great? Well, sorry, that misses the New Testament mark of the elder. The New Testament approach of the presbyterons is that it's a team effort. It's the so-called teaching elders and the ruling elders and the deacons. Acts talks a lot about the work of deacons. It talks about all three of those groups and individuals teaming up. And one of the great uh, privileges I had was being a youth and college pastor at First Presbyterian Fresno, California, after graduating from seminary. And that congregation was 
totally, totally committed to helping everyone do ministry of the laity. It wasn't about the pastor. He was, he, she, they were players in it, but it was about Joe and Fred and Mary understanding their spiritual gifts and then moving forward and serving the Lord vis-a-vis their particular spiritual gifts. So the conclusion then is the church is not a building. It's about relationships with Christ, folks with a relationship with him and with one another. And then teaming together in order to serve him in their particular world where they live.